in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Good morning, Northreach. Remember me? For those who have forgotten, my name is Ivan Powell. And uh, in case you're wondering where I've been in the last year or so, my wife and I, uh, assuming you know we've been missing. Start of 2020, we, uh, we went to the Upper Ross and we joined with Michael and the team up there to help out with their ministry in the Upper Ross Church. Ah, that's where you've been, you're saying. And some uh, amazing things have been happening up there. Two weekends ago, three people were baptised in the river, a a mum and her teenage daughter, uh, another gentleman. Happy to say no turtle or uh, crocodile attacks happened. But ministry, uh, you know, over the last year for you and for us and for everybody has had its challenges, hasn't it? But ministry has continued and with the help of people like... uh, Warren Ballman, in the last few weeks, some uh, washing machines were delivered to people in need. Um, Food hampers have been handed out. Uh, Towards the end of last year, we had a garage sale in the Upper Ross and a lady came along who needed some furniture. So Ray, the guy who got baptised, and myself, delivered some furniture to a house. Turns out that her adult daughter was living in a flimsy tent in her backyard. This is on our doorstep. This is how people are in need. And so with the, uh, the help of the church there in the Upper Ross, we've been able to uh, work with people like this. Michael does a fantastic job. He walks the streets with another guy who's got a crook back and they distribute leaflets and some amazing things are happening But not only in the Upper Ross, we have opportunity uh, to go to other churches. Uh, Michael and I and some from here and from Fairfield have been going out to Charters Towers to help out the young fellow out there as he needs help. And so there's lots of opportunities for ministry, isn't there? No pandemic can stop the moving of God's spirit, can it? Well, what a privilege I've got today to uh, come and uh, open John chapter 1 to you. And I open this with fear and trembling. This is an amazing chapter in God's word. So uh, let's see if it works. There we go. We're going to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. So you might like to follow along either on the screen or on your Bibles. John chapter 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. He shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, Jesus, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him. He, he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's hand this over to God, because I'm certainly unworthy to unpack any of that. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will, will uh, open our eyes to your word, open our eyes to the message that you have delivered to mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today you'll soften our hearts towards you, towards your Son, the Lord Jesus, and to the moving of your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you go back into, uh, into the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon, as he was about to dedicate the temple, this new brand new temple that he had built, he asked a question and the question was, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? So as he was about to dedicate the temple, he was asking this very relevant question can this earth hope ever hope to house the god of creation can it ever hope to house god's glory now god's glory had dwelt with his people hadn't it as they moved through the wilderness god's glory came into the tabernacle that tent of meeting and later on as as the temple was built God's glory came into that holy of holies. But then through that rolling procession that the people of Israel went through, you know, they, they disobeyed. Captivity, repentance, restoration. Through that rolling uh, process, God's glory departed from Israel. 
and they ceased to be a nation for some time. But then an amazing thing happened. A marvellous thing happened, didn't it? The glory of God came to his people again in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. The glory of God came back to his people. Now, they had been expecting this saviour to come. They'd been expecting the hope of this eternal king to sit on the throne of David forever. They'd been looking for it. They'd been longing for it. And then this marvellous thing happened. At just the right time, God sent his glory to his people in the way of Jesus. Now, you're just starting the Gospel of John here today. And uh, as you go through the four Gospels, the Gospel writers trace Jesus' beginning back to different places. For instance, Matthew traces Jesus' genealogy to Abraham. Mark, he shows Jesus came from Nazareth. Luke, well, he shows Jesus came from Adam, showing that he was the true man. But John, the beloved disciple, as he's often called, he's written his book here. And as you go through John, you're going to see this. He's written his book for both Jews and Gentiles, presenting Jesus to the world as the Son of God, God the Son, God's glory dwelling with us. God's glory has returned to his people in the form of Jesus. Verse 14 that we read in chapter 1 says this, the word became flesh, Jesus became flesh, made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So to answer Solomon's question, Yes, <laughs> yes, his glory does reside here. Not only does his glory dwell with his people, but his glory dwells in his people, in you and I who love the Lord Jesus. His glory lives within us. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And here it is. So that Christ, the glory of God, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Can God's glory possibly dwell here on earth? Sure, have a look in your heart if you love the Lord Jesus. His glory dwells. Now that's well and good to know this, but John has a greater desire for his readers of this gospel. One of the major themes running through the gospel of John is found right at the very end of the gospel, chapter 20, where he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. But these are written, what I've written, John says, I've written these so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And this is what John wants us to believe. So I ask you this morning, I ask you this question, I'm going to ask you again and again today, 
what does Jesus mean to you? Now, I heard a lot of answers earlier on, and that's great. He's the saviour. He's this. He's that. Great. Absolutely true. That's not what I'm asking. What does Jesus mean to you? What does Jesus mean to you? Well, let's look at uh, what John is wanting us to believe. Let's read verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So what we have here is this reference to this timeless eternity that was first introduced to us in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. So this timeless eternity... John is essentially saying that before the beginning began, the word was already there. Okay? This is pretty simple to understand. It's not hard. We're hard it's hard to understand eternity. I understand that. But it's not hard to understand that Jesus existed from all eternity. And this gospel opens just magnificently here. It begins by showing the life of Jesus in eternity. Jesus pre-existed. He didn't come into being at Christmas. He wasn't created, so to speak, at Christmas. He was born, but he only took on a human form. He had already existed from all eternity past. This is not hard to understand. This is simple. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, reference to Jesus, and the Word was God. He was with God before the beginning began. But something that requires a little bit more thought. Why did John refer to Jesus as the Word? Now that requires a little bit more thinking. You have to come with me here. Now, Our words reveal our hearts and minds to others, doesn't it? As I speak, words come out of my mouth and uh, hopefully they're intelligent, hopefully they're clear, hopefully they communicate something to you, hopefully they don't put you to sleep, but our words communicate our heart and our minds to one another. In case you didn't realise that. People get to know what you're like by what you say. People get to know who you are by the words that come out of your mouth. Our words communicate our hearts and our minds. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word as we see it recorded here, it it reveals two things. It reveals two things to us. It reveals, first of all, the heart of and the mind of God. When John is saying Jesus is the word, Jesus is revealing the heart and the mind of God. Not only is he delivering a message from the Father, but he is the message from the Father. You want to know what God has to say? Listen to Jesus. You want to know what God has to say to this world? Listen to Jesus. You want to know what God has to say to you? Listen to Jesus. Listen to what he's got to say. He is revealing the heart and the mind of God. 
Hebrews 1 tells us something very, very interesting about this point. Jesus is God's last word to mankind. Jesus is God's last divine revelation to this world. Yes, there's particular guidance that God brings into our lives individually, day by day. But Jesus is the last of the divine revelations. There is no other revelation from the Father. No one else has it. No one who comes knocking on your door has that revelation. No one else from any other place around this planet has that revelation. Jesus is that last divine revelation from the Father. Let me read to you what it says in Hebrews 1. It says, In the past, you know, the Old Testament times and so on, before Jesus, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he'd made purifications for sin, cross, resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So this is the first thing that we need to understand, that Jesus is that revelation of the heart and mind of God. Second thing we need to understand is that Jesus is the revelation of the heart and mind of God to us. He is the revelation of God's heart and mind to this world. Verses 17 and 18 that we read in chapter 1 says, For the law, it was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. To who? To us. He's made him known. The heart and the mind of God is not a secret. It's not something we've got to go crawling on our knees, wandering to the top of a mountaintop and sitting there wondering what God is going to say. We have the heart and mind of God right before our eyes. All we've got to do is read it and believe it. So as we see Jesus, we see God. And, and John is clearly establishing the credentials of Jesus here. He's eternal. He's God. He's the Messiah. And as we'll see, he's the creator, as we'll see soon. And if Jesus lived the most extraordinary life ever, shouldn't we be listening to him? Shouldn't we be paying attention to what he has to say? Okay. So what does God reveal about himself to mankind. What is that message? What is that revelation that has come to us? Verse 3. 
Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Step one, here comes the revelation. Here comes the message from God. Is that annoying you? It's annoying me. I think I'm going to put that around that side. There we go. So Jesus is the creator God. Step one, revelation one. Jesus is the creator God. You know, mankind's always struggled with the need to know who we are, where we've come from. There's so many options out there to believe, isn't there? So many opinions where we've come from. Trillions of dollars are spent in outer space and underground trying to find out our origin and who we are and where we've come from when it's right here. Genesis 1.26. God said, God said, listen to that, Revelation, God said, let us, us being God the Father, God the Son, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And this is who we are. This is who we are. We are made in the image of the creator God. In the beginning was the word. The word came to reveal the heart and mind of God. You are precious because you are made in my image, he says. I really believe, I really believe things like racism, um, slavery, child exploitation, I'll let your mind go. Think of all the other things. I believe that they would disappear if we really believed and practiced this. Jesus is the creator God. We are made in his image. We are precious. Just recently I've been, um, I watched a little YouTube clip on the Welsh revivals. Anybody ever watch them? Uh, do your heart well. Do it. Okay. One thing that really struck me with this uh, Welsh revival was the way society changed in that generation. Now, unfortunately, with uh, revivals, they usually only last a generation because the next generation's got to take responsibility for themselves. But for that generation, society changed. Pubs, well, there were no more drunks going to the pubs and drinking. Domestic violence stopped. Police had nothing to do. To the point, even down in the coal mines, the donkeys that pulled things along, they didn't know what to do because they weren't being sworn at anymore. Language changed. And they're saying that the donkeys were, what do we do? <laughs> they weren't talking, but they were motivated by the foul language originally, but when revival came, society changed. And I believe if we practised and believed with all of our heart that we are made in the image of God, things would change in our society. So as the readers of this gospel heard these words, they could see that John was saying that this Jesus has authority over all creation, including the heart and the mind and the lives of mankind. 
We see this message brought out, if you go back into Mark chapter 1, when Jesus began his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And Jesus came saying, the kingdom of God is here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe this good news. In other words, the kingly rule of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, same thing, has come to you. You know, we often look at our life, you know, we're here on earth and we're going along, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, and that determines where we go in the end. Wrong. The kingdom of God has come to us. The glory of God has come to us. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is here, is near, is right in your midst. Repent of your, of your self-rule. Repent of this. Repent of these alternative views in life and believe and understand that I have the right to rule this world. I created it. I created you. I own it. I own you. And I have the right to say what happens to this world and to you. Acts 4.12 reminds us of that. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. So again, I ask you the same question. What does Jesus mean to you? What does he mean to you, really? Yeah, we know he's a saviour, we know all those things, but, but what does he mean to you? Will your part of society change because of the glory of God that has come into your heart? Will your part of society be different because the glory of God can't stay bottled up in your heart and has got to spring out and affect others? We don't come here just to get filled up. We come here to be prepared to go out and explode into this society and to take the kingdom of heaven, which is right here in our midst, in our hearts, into this society. To find those people who are living in flimsy tents in the backyard. That's our task. Verse 4 and 5 take this thought a little further, if I'm getting these slides right. Verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The life that John has in view here is the new life. It's spiritual life. It's saving life. It's eternal life. It's the opposite of spiritual death now and final condemnation later. It's the exact opposite. This is the life that John is talking about. He has in view of a life that we, we don't have even though we're alive. Later on in his gospel, he records the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed. 
from death to life. In other words, apart from believing in Jesus, we're all dead. And in order to live forever and not come to judgment, we need this gift of eternal life. Also, in that same chapter in John 5, he says, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And so Jesus is the creator God. All things were made through him. In him was life. And if Jesus is in you and you are in Jesus, life is in you. Vital union with Jesus is everything. Otherwise, it is just evil, evil, evil. Heard that before? Vital union with Jesus is vital union with Jesus is everything. Otherwise, we're just chasing after the wind. We're just heading to a final judgment, a final condemnation. Evil, evil, evil. The message continues in verses nine and eleven. The true light that gives light to everyone. was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't recognise him. But his own didn't receive him. So Jesus, the creator God, comes into his world that he has created to his own people, to Israel, who'd been waiting for the Messiah, who'd been looking for the Messiah, who had seen the miracles, who had seen the perfect life, but they didn't receive him. And this shows just how deeply fallen human nature has gone. This shows how far from God human nature has gone. They had their laws, they had their temple, they had their sacrifices, They should have known better. They should have been able to read through and see. Day of Atonement. That's about the coming of the Messiah. They should have seen all these things. Don't make the same mistake. Don't make the same mistake that these people made. Eternal life awaits all who will believe and put their trust in Jesus. Jesus is the way but they wouldn't walk with him. Are you walking with him? Jesus is the truth, but they wouldn't believe him. Do you believe his words? Jesus is the life. They crucified him. Is he your life? You know, we don't need to make the same blunders. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has satisfied God's holy law. God's holy law says sin has to be punished. You can't forget about it. You can't ignore it. You can't pretend it doesn't happen. You can't hope that your good cookies outweigh your bad cookies. Imagine you're going home after church today and you're going down Riverway Drive or Ross River Road and you're doing 75. Police pull you over and give you a ticket. Being good Christians, you say, okay, I accept that. But then you say to the policeman, well, 
you know, on my way to church, I wasn't, I wasn't speeding. And I go down River, Riverway Drive three or four times a day. I don't speed then. Doesn't that make a difference, sir? Doesn't that nullify this one ticket? See how that goes for you. Try it next time. I dare you. Assuming you're speeding. Okay. Listen, listen to this. I've got another verse here somewhere. God offered him, his son Jesus, so that by his blood he should become the means by which people's sins are forgiven through faith in him. Good cookies do not outweigh bad cookies. Jesus is the true light that has come into this world. He has paid the price for sin. And that naturally leads us to verse 12, which we'll be finishing on. Yet to all who did receive him, there's all those that rejected him, plenty of them, and plenty today. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hmm. While the whole world and his representatives and the Jewish people rejected Jesus, there were individuals who received him. And these people receive the greatest spiritual benefit ever. Without any respect to nationality, without any respect to status in life, no matter what sort of house they lived in or flimsy tent they lived in, no pecking order for those who had received Jesus. And we've got to believe this. We've got to understand this. It says, yet to all, whosoever, anyone who would receive Jesus, receives eternal life. Remember what John said at the end of his gospel? I read it before. But these things are written. What I've written here, John is saying, I've written these so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you have life in his name. Now, maybe today, maybe today, I'm going to put a prayer up on the board and maybe today, as you've heard these words and your heart's been strangely affected, as you've heard the words of Jesus, as you've, have you seen that he is the creator God, that in him is life and light, Eternal life awaits those who put their trust in him. Maybe in your heart something has been stirring. I'm going to put a prayer up in a moment. And I'm going to get everybody to stand in a moment. Not yet. Don't be too hurried. I'm going to get us all to pray this prayer out loud. And for some of you, this prayer will just be words. That's okay. But for some of you, it might be the deep desire of your heart. And if it is, I want you to let God know today you're ready. You're ready to do business with Jesus. You're ready to take his glory out of this room, out of your heart, into this community. Are you up for it? So the real question is, and I'll ask you one more time, what does Jesus mean to you.
Would you stand with me? We're just going to pray this prayer out loud. We're going to sing a song. We're going to finish. And that'll be over. It says, Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word and deed by what I have done, by what I have left undone. I've not loved you with all of my heart. I've not loved my neighbours as myself. And I'm truly sorry and I humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me and forgive me that I might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And maybe if it was the deep desire of your heart today, come and talk to someone. Come and talk to someone today. There's plenty of pastors here. There's heaps of them. They're everywhere. Or there's someone else here that maybe, maybe you could just talk to and say, Jesus, I want to do business with you. I want your glory in me and out of me into this dark world. Amen.